We ain't sleeping till Hollywood, Hollywood. We ain't sleeping. And hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Caleb. I am Galen. And this is No Sleep Till Hollywood. We're not sleeping until we make it in Hollywood. And while we're up, we will be discussing the state of the industry and our place in it. Exactly. This is our very first episode. We are very, very excited to be here with you guys and super excited to get into topics, episodes, archetypes, all types of things that are just interesting to us about the content that we are consuming. And we're going to share our opinions, let you guys know a little bit about our journeys and our creative passions and probably roast each other a lot as well. Probably a lot of that as well. Won't lie. Very accurate roasting at that. But let's introduce ourselves to the people listening. Yes, yes. Uh, so then so then they can be invested. They can be invested in the And roasting. they can know who their favorite is. It's me. Is. It's obviously okay. me. Because I am the favorite. Mm-hmm. So would you like to start? All right, everybody. So I will start. Like I said, I am Galen Smith. I am a actor, writer, producer. I do a lot of different things, um, but those are like the real jobs. And then, you know, in my like everyday survival life, I have survival jobs as most uh, starving artists do. But I am a two-time Syracuse University graduate. I graduated with my BFA in acting, and then I got my master's in television, radio, and film, which is also where I met Caleb, but we'll get into that in a quick second. I am interested in creating work that expands and redefines the narrative of the Black experience in America on both sides of the camera and on stage for the empowerment of Black youth and the liberation of Black people in general. And I feel like that's like enough for right now. And like, you'll learn more about me as we go, but I feel like that's like a good teaser. Caleb, you want to go ahead? I am Caleb. Uh, I am, ooh, writer, storyteller, actually. At the end of the day, I'm a storyteller. I tell stories. How I do that? It could be through writing. It could be through stand-up comedy. It could be through acting. It could be through creative producing. But at the end of the day, storyteller, specifically writer, you know, for the people who do want to hire me because I'm just such a ball of fun. I did graduate from Newhouse with that television, radio, film degree as of recently, literally like last month. You know? Give it up for us, the pandemic graduates. (laughs) Pandemic graduates. Um, my personal goal is to bring the world together. And I'm so serious because, yo, media be tearing people apart, which means it can also pull people together. I'm going to make people think two things, make people think and make people connect. That's my goal with everything I create. That would be Caleb's subtitles. Um, so Caleb and I have a running joke. This is very important. Um, we'll get into our, we're going to talk about how we met and all these things, but it's very important to know. It's probably going to come be a running theme in uh, the podcast. Caleb and I have a running joke that I'm the boyfriend in our relationship and he is mm-hmm. the girlfriend. Not necessarily because like Caleb is like feminine or I'm masculine, but like we just have stereotypical behavior traits that are like stereotypical of these things. So like I'm into sports. If we say sports to Caleb, Caleb looks confused. I have no idea what that means. It's just certain things. Caleb is the passenger seat shoddy. I, though I have no license, (laughs) driving boyfriends. Like it's, it's just like, there are just certain things that happen. So it will just continue to pop up throughout the podcast. Just something to be aware of. I'm very much the girlfriend. I will always have my purse with me. (laughs) Not the purse. Then there's me being like, I watch athlete podcast and I lift heavy and LeBron for the win. Like that's me every day, all day. So it'll be a thing. I'm sure we'll do an episode about sports movies and I'm going to nerd out and Caleb will be like, 
this was very nice. I'm going to be like, you know, I guess. Um, <laughs> Not there, again. there were good moments. <laughs> Not good moments. I, I hated the fact that the movie was uh, more sports than character moments, but whatever. <laughs> Screams. All right, Caleb. So for those of y'all who don't know us, like we said, we both graduated from Syracuse, graduated the same year. So I was in grad school and then I met Caleb um, while he was in his last year of undergrad. So we figured we would give you guys a typical meet cute for those of you who don't know oh, what a meet cute is. Yes. So it's like a, it's a film word. I actually literally just learned what this was like in the last three months, but like a meet cute is like when the characters first meet in their first meeting. It's not ideal, but it's just endearing. And it gives us a reason as to why we are now invested in these two people being together. But it's not necessarily an, uh, a perfect moment. It's an endearing moment. Um, so Caleb and I figured that we would give you our meet cute. I don't know where we start with that story. Well, I could, I could set it up. All right. So go ahead, Caleb. We both are on a virtual semester. We are supposed to be in a location that is off campus. And for confidential reasons, I'm not going to specify. Um, that being said, in this virtual class, um, it was a writing class. And this is where we saw each other's writings. And, you know, I was like, oh, she's good. She was like, oh, he writes. <laughs> and the That's professor- not my response. That was not my response <laughs> to the word. I was entertained. If one okay. person was entertained in that class, it was me. I'm I glad. had a great time. Okay. Okay. That, that actually raises my spirits. Boom, boom, boom. The past year of trauma I thought was there, gone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, what you didn't see was a spit take. <laughs> but as we are in this undisclosed writing class virtually, um, there, was a, there was a fellow student in this, in this class who... Mm-hmm. who was of the Caucasian persuasion. Caucasian persuasion. And we all were tasked with writing a script. We had to write a short film, 15 pages. And what he pitched was a story about an imaginary friend who gets jealous. What we read was a <laughs> bit of a... Um, <laughs> do you know how to describe it? <laughs> um, it was a... Uh... The names and uh, situations in this podcast have been uh, changed to protect the innocent, right, um, even when they're not so innocent. Um, but it was a, um, the story that was pitched was in there well, if yeah. you dug for it. Right, because the imaginary friend was jealous of this he was, uh, uh, white protagonist who was making friends with, uh, what word was used? With- Delinquents? No, no. No, uh, degenerates. 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 Yes. The degenerates, of course, were various people of color. Let me let me throw that out. They were various people black. of color, but they right. were mainly black. It was black, Spanish, and Asian. And the one ambiguously Asian character that we didn't know was Asian until we got to... He had a racist remark. Yeah, once we got... Or no, not... Well, that he added that after the conversation because oh, until we had right. the conversation. Right. Right. So... Yes. So Caleb is... Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. So Caleb yeah. is right. The, the story, like you said, the, the protagonist has the imaginary friend. The imaginary friend is jealous of the new colored uh, friends the white protagonist is making. And so the way this class would work is that we would have class on uh, Tuesday. We would submit our pages by eight or nine o'clock on Saturday night. And then by eight or nine o'clock on Sunday night, we had to have read everyone's script and put notes in. Now, 
all of that sounds ridiculous because yes, we were doing work uh, during the weekends, but people would turn in their stuff late a lot. So like it was due at eight o'clock on Saturday and some people wouldn't turn their stuff until 5 p.m. on Sunday, which is three hours before the notes are due. And there were 15 people in the class. So 15 times 15 pages, that's a whole lot of reading that people already have to do. So it's Sunday afternoon. Um, I had gotten out of church and I was like, okay, I only have like five more scripts that I have to read. And I'm going through and I'm reading the scripts. And, you know, as with scripts, when, when you're reading a script, you're not supposed to remember who the writer is. You're supposed to see these characters talking. But the characters were were uh thinly veiled right so i'm reading the script and i'm going through and it's you know it's fine at first the story is not exactly what was pitched like i don't particularly care about all of that and then i get to this particular scene and in the directions i'm going to uh paraphrase them as much as possible though i do remember the exact wording we get to a scene where the protagonist comes downstairs he opens the apartment door of the degenerates as we will then meet them to get hit in the face with a strong smell of marijuana. And then the character walks into the room and it's a whole bunch of, of black people smoking weed. And so the oh, and don't ambig- forget, we had the athlete with the fresh shoes and the yes. athletic fit. We had the uh, person who was dressed, uh, quote, for the streets. Unquote. Yes, for the streets, yes. And... And then somebody else who was somebody like, else, but they were very like stereotypically written black characters. Mm-hmm. And then we have the ambiguously Asian character, whom again, at the time that I am reading this on Sunday, I did not know was Asian. I thought he was white because the information that was and was not given. And so he's doing homework, and these degenerate black people are distracting him from the homework or the or the schoolwork that they have to do whilst smoking their weeds. And so. I'm reading and I'm like, my face is scrunched up. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh, my, have mercy. And then after about two pages of degeneracy, I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to go with it, degeneracy, the N-word is used. Like I said, the writer was of the Caucasian persuasion and the N-word was used and there was no reason. Like this wasn't a story about a racist cop who called, just, yo, what up, my nigga? And I was like, huh, huh? Time out real quick. Oh, it was not a what up my because it was a what up I thought like what happened was a statement was said that would have been perfectly fine on its own and then comma placement and that's what got me the most upset was yeah. it was literally irrelevant I forgot you're right it was like the back end uh, like comma expression like it was just like it didn't need to be there at all um, and then, like we've already said, like the rest of the script, like all the black characters were so stereotypically written that like, what the hell? So I'm reading this on Sunday. It's been like maybe two or three weeks in the class. I know Caleb and I are the only two black people in the class. And like Caleb and I have like, I've casually known Caleb from like being at Syracuse because that was going into my fifth year at that point because I was doing my master's degree. But like, I didn't really know Caleb. I read this script and I instantly go, there's absolutely no way that this was written. So I immediately go, we have a group chat with everybody. And I didn't save numbers because I don't save people's numbers. I'm one of those people. I won't lie to y'all. Like, honestly, like I could have a husband. We can be married for 25 years and I may not save his number. Like I'm that person. But I immediately go to figure out which number is Caleb's because I need to know. And I text Caleb immediately. I'm like, 
have you read so-and-so's script? It's wild. To which Caleb goes, not yet. Because I had no idea what was going on. I said, oh, and you know, me not even thinking of the possibility that could have offended me. I'm like, ooh, like, what's this script about? Like, where's the gossip? I'm ready. And, and then I, and then I was told. I told him, I gave him like a thing. I was like, the characters were racist. Also, like the script uses the N word, blah, blah, blah. Now we have to leave notes. And the way we leave notes is we create a document where you put the name of the person who you're giving notes about, and then you write your notes. And then we email all of this to everybody. So it's a reply all email. So everyone can get all of their notes, et cetera, et cetera. When I tell y'all, I was in here typing, just just typing. Like it was a literal, I think it was like a half a page of notes. Um, and to fact, summarize- you were typing was a reference to the black film, drumline. That's, that's, that's how you were typing. When I tell y'all these notes, Honestly, I'm proud of these notes. This is one of my better written drags that I have ever done. I still have a copy of these notes to this day. I will not read them because, again, to protect the innocent. But I said, in quote, um, Blackish comes on every Tuesday. You should watch that to be educated about why the hell this was a dumb idea. End quote. It just was so ridiculous to me. And like the amount of resources that we have where like that just wasn't a thing. And I just, I dragged him from here to there. I was like, I don't know why you thought this was appropriate, but since you did, not only were the characters bad, but then you wouldn't do this. Did it, I, I just was going for a page. So at this point, I've already texted Caleb. I've put this in and I sent my notes in because my notes were done. Our teaching assistant, um, he texts me and he's like, hey, saw your notes. Want you to know that I passed along your concerns to the professor because I read it before and felt similarly, but I wanted to see if anyone else was going to address it first. So now I'm already like, oh, well, I just started off the fire. I might as well sit here and watch it play back. So now I'm for the rest of the day, I am literally patiently awaiting everyone else's notes coming in. And I'm not even reading my own notes. I'm only reading this person's <laughs> notes because why the hell would you say that? And why the hell would you do that? Also to be noted, our professor, to be general, was a person of color. And a person of specific color, in which case the, the script really didn't make no sense. So it was just like, you did this in this classroom. Like, it's not even like the teacher was white, in which case, like, oh, I can see maybe how you thought you was going to get away with this. But like, there, there was no way. So then, Caleb, please tell them about your reactions when you. Oh, yes. No. So here's here's the thing. Here's here's what's crazy, too. So as mentioned, we had a lot of pages to read. And in reading those and we had 24 hours to give notes for everybody i like to give the most like detailed notes but at a certain point it's crunch time and you, and you gotta skim and you gotta skim so save that script for last granted he did also hand in that script late as he did with all his scripts and as i was reading it i'll tell you what i'll tell you what i'll tell you what i missed it no i missed it the first time so i had to go back and and then when I found it, I said, word? That really wasn't, that wasn't relevant. Like, I was scratching my head for maybe an hour. Not even because I was sitting here like. Right, because it's not even the fact that he used it. Just like, it wasn't needed. It, 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 it didn't even add anything. It just felt uncomfortable placed there. Yeah. Which would make you think, oh, okay, so you know what? Maybe he doesn't use the word. Maybe, maybe he just used it once. Mm-hmm. That's a story for another time. And so my reaction, because, you know, we all had to send in notes. I sent my notes in. 
and I tore the script apart. I said everything wrong with it, and I'm not going to lie. Everyone got like half a page of notes where I was like, this is something you could do. I enjoyed this, yada, yada, yada. Him, there was nothing I enjoyed. Told him everything wrong with it. Told him something he could have done with it. And then at the end, I simply asked, and in regards to the word, dot, 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 why? Just why? Y'all, I was crying when I saw the, and in regards, why? And that was the <laughs> end. When I tell y'all, I wept for five minutes. <laughs> There's actually a tear coming to my eyes. <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. Like, oh my gosh. If he would have used it correctly, I mean, it would not have been a different story, but <laughs> yo. These are the reactions. It's a whole group chat conversation. And I'm gonna like skip through some of the other details again to like protect the innocent and all of these things. But it becomes a situation where we're having a conversation. Um, like my TA has reached out to me. The professor has reached out to me. You know, all these different things are happening. And so in class on Tuesday, we spend an hour discussing the situation because it needed to be discussed. And in the conversation, our professor drags him for a second, then other like, I'm waiting for all the white students to speak up because at this point I've said everything that I need to say. And like the white kids were, you know, they, they had comments. They did have uh, thoughtful things to say in response to what was going on. Everyone and else then, had some sense. Yeah, everyone else had some sense. And then class ends, the professor asked me to stay back. And he basically is like, you know, so-and-so might reach out to you and apologize, but like, you know, feel free to like drag him. And I was like, one, that's not my job. I don't get paid to educate, you do. But Sue, like, he said what he said. He stood 10 toes in it. And like his explanations of why he did it, of like, these are people I know and I'm basing this off these people. Like, it gave very much on top of all the things that were wrong with it. Like, it gives very much white savior complex about how the story was even written. And for me, like at that point, I didn't really have anything else to say about the situation. Um, he did reach out. Caleb, I know he reached out to me. I think he reached out to you as well. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah. And it took me a week to respond to the apology because like, I didn't care. But like the most important thing that I feel like came out of this situation was that now I'm friends with Caleb. And honestly, right. that was the only thing that was relevant about the situation. I was like, wow, we would like Caleb. I tell Caleb all the time because I was a grad student. Like I was a year older than everybody. So like I really was coming to class just to be in class. And I was like, wow, had this person not done racisms, Caleb and I would not have even been friends. And that's crazy to me because now Caleb is one of my best friends. I actually like him. And Galen's one of my friends, technically. Wow. One of my friends, technically. <laughs> this mother... Yeah, one of my close friends. One of my best. One of my best friends. Now we're best friends. We're doing a podcast together. So our meet-cute isn't really a cute. But we did meet, and that's the criteria. We met, and we're cute. So it's a meet-cute. Um, all right. We sleeping. So um, let's get into some actual like industry stuff. Now that you guys know how we met and those things and know a little bit about how we do the lenses of the world. We look at stuff, you know, to make sure like, is it appropriate? Is it helpful? Is it useful? Um, and we're also going to give really good story critiques in general because the story matters. That is how we met. And the following semester, because we were such great friends and we appreciated, admired, and valued each other's work ethic and creativity. We worked together on projects, and that brought not only us together, but that brought me into the mix to meet our lovely producer. I just want to give a shout out yes. to Doria Lacey. D-Lace. The best. 
she here? She's just um, she's in the back. She's, oh, she's real quiet, real silent. She's overseeing right now. <laughs> Not overseeing. Why use the slavery word? <laughs> it's Black History Month. <laughs> Not overseeing. But, um, she is our yes. lovely producer. Um, and so, like, the thing is, like, with me, Caleb, and Doria, like, we've worked on a lot of, not a lot of projects, but, like, relatively a lot in the short amount of time we've known each other. Mm-hmm. Caleb played a character in my proof of concept for my pilot, Chasing Viral. Um, Caleb directed a web series for one of my drama babies, and then I served as the art director. Art director. Um, I feel like I'm missing something else that we've done together. Uh, well, we were writing a podcast together. That's true. We were writing a podcast like, that, that I, the best yeah, of us. God bless us. So like, we've all kind of worked on a lot of projects together. Doria was the producer for my proof of concept um, on Chasing Viral. She was the producer on that. So we've worked together a lot. Um, I kind of had the idea to do a podcast and Caleb was like the first person that I was like, I would host a podcast with Caleb. And I were talking and we were like, we need a producer because we could do all of these things, but why would we? So we hit up Doria and without even knowing what the heck we were going to do, she said yes. So, you know, God bless Doria Lacey. So that's how we all met. We're all good homies. Um, and what is it? A year and some change later. And we're all still homies. So mm-hmm. I ain't never seen two pretty best friends, but now I've seen three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we did meet, you know, we were undergrad and now it's the postgrad you, transition. For, forgetting about the transition period, you know, when when you jump, what what is what is something that you're looking forward to doing? Like when I've like when I've made it across the jump. Yes, when when family members are hitting you up for money. Ah, and, yes. And favorites. Him, him. All right, everybody. So, uh, you are listening to the sound of the voice of your next uh, favorite Hollywood multi hyphenate. I will be your next favorite Black EGOT winner. I've decided that the EGOT does not have to be limited to just acting awards because I write as well. Um, so, you know, the EGOT is incoming on that front. I also am, I'm originally from Washington, D.C., born and raised, second uh, generation D.C., actually. So one of the things that I want to do, like when I, like Caleb said, the family members are hitting me up for the money, all the things that I want to be able to do. It's really important to me to give back to young Black people, to create space for young Black kids to be creative, to explore their creative interest. And so one of the things that I want to do is build a television and film studio in or around DC, because you know DC is only ten square miles, we ain't got that much space. Um, build a uh, a studio where not only are I doing professional work, but also giving high school and college age students and people who may or may not have gone or had the ability to go to college to learn these things access to the industry to learn and train on professional sets. So that's kind of like the industry goals. Obviously, when people are asking me for money, I also would like to stunt on people, and I would like to have a Lamborghini that is sage green and maybe have my name on it. But that's like the less important thing. But the big ones, the studio, the EGOT, um, you know, all those good things. Now, will the name be on the license, the tires, or a cross? I want it to be written in like small cursive font on like the side of the car, you know, very small, but like small font, small size. Like you have to be close to my car to see it. And if you're that close to my car and you're not me, why is you up there? You know so basically, sort of how every um, up-and-coming fashion designer designs their shirts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> with the two small fonts. Just, <laughs> just a little word right there. Yo, what is with that? Because I just want to understand why, when you, like, is it more expensive the bigger the font is? Like, I have questions. I mean, it's, it's more expensive the smaller the font for the customers. Yeah. If, you know, 
two letters right there, all right, that's fifty. Fifty dollars. I think I'm paying Easy. for that small little instant. Um, all right, Caleb. What are your goals? What are your things? I know personally, mm-hmm. I will be an EGOT winner. We will be Her. EGOT brethren, siblings. You know, it's definitely going to be for all of it. The writing, the acting, the singing. For the record, my throat is terrible. Okay, they slit my throat the other day in the <laughs> hospital. They slit your throat in the hospital. Yes, they did. It's just Don't that they put it on the like inside. This. But the way you said it, you made people think that they just chopped your head off. I'm talking, aren't I? So either I'm a talking head or I don't even know. I'm a, I'm a hand puppet. That Remember how I said that Caleb is the girlfriend in the relationship? Y'all see how dramatic this man is? <laughs> That's crazy. Can't believe you just said that. Dramatic. We'll use that against you later. But no, so like, you know, when people are hitting me up for money, mm-hmm. I 100% would have had at least three shows that would have done wonders for people's peace. Like one show will actually help people find peace. Another show will help people understand what love is in every aspect of that word. And then the third show will help people with trust in every aspect of that word in themselves, in the world, in the process, you know? Because, goodness gracious, there's so much TV that, like, will start a conversation in an episode. But, like, what's it actually doing for the sanity of its audience? I think big. I care about people. Not a thing. If I could, I'd give the world a huge hug. Really? But I would. I would. I would. I it's would just who I am. Well, I, the world, you know? <laughs> the world. Um, I definitely would have some stand-up specials out. Because I'm funny. And Caleb is funny, say. y'all. Oh. My daddy think Caleb funny. That's how you know he's funny. That's how you know. Oh, also, forgot to mention this earlier, philosophy minor. So yeah, no, I like to think and 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 make things more convoluted than they need to be. That you do. That's my I don't MO. Think you needed to be a philosophy minor for that one. I think that's just you, friend. Yeah, no, no. But the philosophy minor made it way worse for everybody. <laughs> I'm just now thinking about conversations we've had about like your scripts where I'm like, huh? And I'm like, this made sense to you. But the philosophy minor just it took over a little. Right. A little. But, you know, as much as we talk about creating in this industry, yes. we're also people who consume it, enjoy it. You want to you wanna start talking about some faves of ours, show people that we do know a little something. Yes. We do enjoy a little something. Of course. So it's like Caleb said, we consume a lot. I think I watch way more TV than most people. This year alone, I've already finished six shows. Um, It's only February. So I really watch way too much. So I'll probably say like a couple favorite shows of all time. And then I'll say a couple favorite shows of like currently. So for me, favorite shows of all time. Number two favorite show of all time. I know that this person is controversial. Um, but this show matters to me deeply. The Cosby show is my number two favorite show of all time. Um, it was dethroned by my number one pick, which we'll get to in a second. But I just really love the Cosby show. I mean, I think it's just a classic American sitcom, black family. And yes, like the Huxtables, the way they were depicted in the show, like you can have the arguments of was their blackness stripped from their character? Like how you can have conversations about that and to what extent. But I just really think that the Cosby show was just like a great portrayal of 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 black middle and upper class America of a family just trying to stick together to make things work 
to really, you know, raise good kids at the heart of it all. And just what happens when you have a whole bunch of kids in New York City and like working like a working mom and this doctor and the love for each other. Um, I think like the love that Dr. Huxtable and Claire Huxtable had for each other was just so beautiful to watch. And I think for me, that's probably what stuck out to me a lot. I also just think like Felicia Rashad is a masterclass in acting. Like watching her on that show is everything that I think you need to know about like acting in a sitcom. So I am just super obsessed with The Cosby Show. One of my favorite shows. I've seen that show. I've seen every episode of that show at least four times. And there are what, eight seasons. So, you know a lot of different stuff in there, but I truly love it. Um, if I look at you and I say you were out having big fun and you don't know where I was out having big fun at, we're not the same kind of people. Like the Cosby show is my jam. Yes, Vanessa was out here having big fun out in Baltimore. Um, that's all I'm gonna say about that for right now. And then my number one favorite show of all time, hands down, is Insecure. Doria and Caleb know. Issa Rae has really just like changed my life. Like complete, I'm literally about to cry. I just really love Issa Rae. Insecure came out uh, my freshman year of college. And it was the show that made me go, oh, people are writing Black women characters that like I could play that like are interesting to me and exciting to me. And then, you know, having more experiences and realizing, oh, like I can write and I can write a show that I star in and also produce it. And like having that epiphany was just like an incredible experience. But I mean, like, I'm sure at some point we will have an entire episode on Insecure because I really can talk about Insecure for like my entire, like the rest of my life. But the way that that show just opened so many doors for young Black creatives, what it did for the representation and the conversations that we were having in the Black community about mental health and about bisexuality and sexuality in general, about being monogamous, about the role of marriage. Like there were so many conversations that were finally being had for folks in their 20s and 30s in a way that felt authentic to the experiences we were having. I cried when I found out that the show was ending, like famously wept, very dramatic. It was a problem. And then I wept every single episode of the final season. Um, but I'm just super thankful for Issa Rae and the work that she created along with Prentice Penny and Larry Wilmore um, and just the work that they did on that show. But that is my favorite, favorite show of, of all time. Caleb, I'll let you do your two favorite shows before I get into like my current faves. Okay. But let me just start out with saying it's always hard for me to do faves, especially when it comes to uh, stories, because I'm the type of person to, if, if I sit in a theater and watch Spider-Man for two hours, when I come out the theater, I'm web-slinging. Yes, at my grown age. That being said, you know, whatever I watch tends to take over my personality. But two shows that I think I can say for certain are my favorite. One is Shameless, because... Oh my goodness. I love the pace of the show. You don't get bored. Like they will, they will turn to the next family member in two minutes. It's funny, dark humor, and it's real. You know, it shows, it shows very gruesome moments right after you were just laughing. It, it, that, that show had me crying every episode in its last season. And on top of that, it does something which, oh, I definitely aspired to do. It just reminds you that like community is really like something strong. Like it, it reminds you that when, when there's a loving group of people who do love each other and will do anything and will overcome things with each other, like it's just, it's just ah, the way the world can be when, when, when there's nothing but darkness, but like you have your bright moments. I love that about the show. And then another show 
that I would say is my current favorite, what? and that's Love Life. Yo, if Love any Life. of y'all have not seen it, Love that's Life on HBO, on right? Okay, I haven't Love started it yet. HBO. I have not. Yeah, I'm telling you, go watch. Each season is following one person and their journey of love. It, it mentions how, um, if you're looking at the data, you know, each person has about seven relationships in their life that actually mean something to them. And whether they work out or not, there is like an evolving view of love from each person. And also how love is much more than that. Like you can never really compute what will work and what won't work. And I love that about the show. It gives people hope as much as it gives people honesty. It doesn't take away from people. And I mean, if you couldn't hear it from what I plan on doing in the world, it helps the audience uncover things for themselves. So that's why those two shows are my absolute favorite right now. I definitely still have to watch Love Life. You told me about it, but you also told me about Dave and I started watching that. So I enjoy Dave. I just watched the episode in season one where Gata reveals that he's bipolar. Yes. When I tell you I cried the last 12 minutes of that episode, bawling. Oh, that episode had me in tears. I wasn't ready. Cause it's just like, damn, like, and then it's like, you going through and like, you see all the moments in his life that lead him up to like the hospitalization and like the medicine. Mm-hmm. And then like him being honest with little Dickie and the homies. Like I just enjoy Dave. I think Dave is a funny show. It don't have nothing to do with me, but I just enjoy it. Um, so I will say that is a current favorite. Um, that's not what I was necessarily say first, but I do enjoy that one right now. But my favorite show of right now, Twitter's favorite show. I just found out the episode two of this show was the highest set of ratings for a comedy on the network since Modern Family. Abbott Elementary Ooh, by yes. my girl, Quinta Brunson. Mm, shout out. Love you. Philadelphia is a second home to me. Um, but I love that show. My father and I watched that show together. For those of y'all who don't understand, I love TV. My father is one of those people who turns on TV in the background for noise. And like, he mostly watches like, I call them man shows, like shows that don't really have plots and like, like not that they don't have plots, but like, they just like are kind of like the same thing each episode. So like he watches like the procedurals and like those things, or he watches like old, old TV. So the fact that my father and I watch Abbott Elementary Every week, shocking, shocking, foolish behavior. Don't understand it. But I love Abbott Elementary. I think like, just like, I love the mockumentary style of it all. I love the way that it's a show that takes place in a school, but it's not about kids. It's about the teachers, which I think is something that we don't really get a lot when we're talking about school shows, but that the kids are funny. Like when those kids do speak, they're funny. Stage manager shoddy from last week's episode or whatever was episode four or five, somewhere in there. Stage manager Shawty had it. <laughs> That's all we saying, though, because I didn't watch it yet. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. Oh, let, me tell, let me tell my audience something real quick. K-Lebs. If there's one thing about me, no spoilers. No spoilers. And when I say no spoilers, I don't mean, oh, don't tell me about any scenes. No, I mean, don't tell me anything. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear your review. I don't want to hear about any scenes. I don't want to hear about an actor who appeared because what makes you think that that's not important to the plot, okay? And also my brain just works fast, all right? And I'm also an amazing writer, okay? Which means that I could see what other writers are gonna do. Give me a piece of information, I solved it, all right? That's all I'm saying. The funny part with Caleb is that like, quite literally, I'm the opposite because I'm the person like, you could tell me what happens and I'm gonna go, dang. And then I'm gonna watch it and not know until it happens and go, oh, I think somebody told me that, but I didn't really remember. 
but like I'm literally like the person who just remembers nothing so um but no I love Abbott Elementary I think there's just a lot of really good really a lot of really smart writing Caleb I don't know how deep you are so I won't get like too too into it but I think there's a lot of really smart writing around issues in our education system issues uh about educating black and latinx kids and like the the lack of funding and support that goes into those schools as well as it being super funny and just having just a great cast like just so many great people obviously tyler james williams like the goat of like our sitcom youth right um but just so many good smart moments i won't say too much more since caleb has not watched it but that is like my favorite show of right now we ain't sleeping I was thinking uh, we could talk about a favorite that we share. Boom. Which is... We're uh, here. Everyone is talking about it. On my Twitter's Twitter other favorite timeline. show. Everyone's posting the scenes on Instagram. If you don't know already, let me name it for you guys. Euphoria. 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 On HBO. The messiest show on television. Messy. And they're high school students at that. How messy was your high school experience? Because it wasn't that messy for me. Mine, I went to boarding school. So let's start there. <laughs> like I wasn't doing nothing. Okay. For fun, we were trying to see if the Wi-Fi would stay on past 2 a.m. on the weekends. Like that was like fun <laughs> for us. We would gather in a room to watch like a, a bootleg movie that someone downloaded on bad mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. Like that was fun for us. I don't know what the kids in before you be doing. Maybe mm-hmm. out here living adult grown lives while also taking five subjects in high school right. a day. And like, I just don't understand where the energy comes from. Cause There's I'm a lot there, but you know, for, for sake of time, you know, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll throw a euphoria uh, podcast episode in there later sometime. But right now, you we know, shall, let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about the industry. Let's talk about Hollywood. Let's talk about that aspect of euphoria. Let's talk about because something in the industry. Cause, cause, oh yeah, no, the word issue was perfect <laughs> because an issue that the actors had with the script this season was that um many of the actors, I was going to say mainly actresses, but um, after seeing this season, I think it's all the actors, all the actors. Uh, the actresses a- have been most public about it and, and right. vocal about they, it. They've had a problem with the amount of nudity being requested from them. Because there's been an increase. It goes into an ethical question because, you know, where your art is your art. Don't forget, you're also working with Like, where's the line between that reality and Mm -hmm. the fantasy that you're trying to portray? And also, is the nudity part of the vision or is it part of the message? Like, are you trying to say something with that? Many questions that we have for Sam Levinson. I think there's also like that conversation of the fact of obviously all of these, with the exception of, well, no, I think Storm Reed now is 18. So all mm-hmm. of the actresses um, are over the age of 18, but they are playing high school students. And so, yes, we know high school students are having sex. We know they're sending nudes. We know they're doing all of these things. But there is a question about like how much nudity is actually needed, um, especially when they're supposed to be under 18 year olds, supposed to be 16 under, and 17 yeah. year olds. Um, in some cases, 15. And there's just a lot of that nudity. And I think there's been an uptick. Like season one, I remember seeing Sydney Sweeney's breast maybe once. Like I remember there being sex, but I didn't see as much of it versus, I mean, season two, episode you know, two, we're seeing penises and, and, and just a lot of genitalia and things in ways that oh. like beg questions. 
we we were seeing um the phalluses since episode one. That's true. That is very very true. Yeah, no, because there was there was the the opening scene, and there was a lot. It's like there was there was a lot in, all all across the season. And there was um right, and there was uh you know like oh, yeah that scene in season one, like the nudity in season one mm-hmm. was so much less. And it felt like nudity, even if I didn't agree with the choice, it felt like a more intentional choice to me versus and now I realistic. think I'm just seeing. That's like now every episode, it's like I've seen Sydney Sweeney's breasts multiple times. We know Sydney Sweeney has big breasts. We don't need to keep seeing them. Like, I just feel like I keep seeing a lot of nudity in ways that makes me uncomfortable. And then there were, you know, specific scenes where we have characters. Um, we have, you know, Rue's situation with Lori, the drug dealer. And then we're finding out from the actress who played Lori that that scene initially where she's helping Rue into the bathtub to sober her up, she initially was supposed to also get naked and get in the bathtub with her. Or the situation with Minka Kelly's character and Alexa Demi, where her character is supposed to be seducing Maddie. And like that was supposed to be in the script. And we're having a lot of these moments where actresses are speaking out about the nudity being uncomfortable in terms of the actresses playing the high school age girls. And then we have older actresses who are playing older characters who have now reported storylines where there was supposed to be this pedophilic grooming undertone that they right. were uncomfortable with. It is nasty. Straight up. I was up. just going to say, yeah, no, there's, there's too many pedophilic, as, as, as the shows would put it, secret affairs. Yeah. Like, we get it. Unless you're doing something new, why are you doing it? And you it's know? like, and again, why? Like, it's the one thing that we have Cal and that character and, and that being the situation. But we also, from Jump, were set up to dislike Cal and distrust Cal. But right. then in every other relationship, especially in the fact of like, for me, I think it was really like annoying to me about like the, uh, the uh, Maddie Perez and the, and the woman she babysits for storyline is to an extent that woman has become a mentor for her. And so the fact that there was even a draft of that relationship where it's supposed to turn perverse when these characters do not have a lot of great adult relationships, it's just a little bit, it's very weird to me. I think that it's, uh, as you know, especially as a woman who is an actor and has to, you know, constantly consider what kind of nudity am I okay with in a project? Is it a situational thing? Is it that I will never show X, Y, and Z? Like it becomes difficult for me. Like as a, as a viewer, I enjoy the show, but as an actor, like I would have a lot of personal issues with a lot of the nudity requests that seem to be being made on that set. And what also is um, a, a huge like question mark just placed on whatever Sam Levinson is doing <laughs> with this show is that he introduced a new character this season, Faye, a fan favorite. Her lines, her moments, snappy. We love her. And this actress was cast mm-hmm. when Sam Levinson found mm-hmm. her in a porn mm-hmm. parody of his show. And he hired her. And that's like problematic for so many reasons, right? Like, I don't care that you watch porn in your free time. Like you're a grown man, do what you want to do. But the fact that like you're watching porn that is about high schoolers and it's a parody of your show about high schoolers. That's big creepy. It's big creepy. And then on top of that- I don't care what anybody says. If I remember correctly, if not, you know, we will will come out with a statement. I will write a no type of apology. But if I remember correctly, even this actress was uncomfortable with the amount of nudity that was being requested from her. I do remember seeing something about her having a comment about 
like there was supposed to be a scene where she was supposed to be like naked smoking a joint in the back of a scene that like didn't need that. And the thing to, to his credit, right. Cause I don't want to be out here slandering folks to his mm. credit. These actresses have raised these concerns in the moments of filming and he's changed the scenes. So right. a lot yes. of these scenes that we're talking about were drafted somewhere. They were spoken about, but they were never actually filmed or if they were filmed, we didn't see them. Like, these women were able to raise their concerns and there was a change. I think the issue for me as an actor, as a woman, is the fact that they were written in the first place because we know that there are a lot of, a lot of young actresses who don't have support, who maybe are newer to the industry, might not have felt comfortable speaking up about these concerns and then would have been in a scene where they felt exploited that we would have been watching and talking about now. And I think right. that there has to be some type of, conversation like yes as an actor advocate for yourself but it shouldn't rely only on an actor advocating for themselves for a problematic scene to not be in something like there needs to be a conversation like to me there's a conversation to be had about like yes everybody's over 18 but if we're talking about these adult actors as high school students then what are the conversations around ethical nudity around consent around displaying these relationships because euphoria is a hard show that talks about difficult topics right. and i'm not saying that you know folks are not you know molested in these things but are we doing it in a way that is furthering the plot that is telling a story or are we doing a, oh i'm on hbo so i can have ass and titties everywhere and i'm gonna do that just because i can and i think for me euphoria often some of the nudity and some of the sexual storylines just feel like mm-hmm. a because i can type thing And this reminds me of what I was mentioning earlier with how I hope to have shows that will benefit the audience and not just start a conversation and not be responsible enough to have the conversation because what is the intention of the theory? Like for instance, for instance, if I were Sam Levinson, let me, let me put myself in the writer's desk. If I'm Sam Levinson, then you know what? I would associate any nudity that I would place in the show with like someone's high, you know? like someone's euphoric moment. That way there's at least some sort of uh, literature, you know, going on that you could examine piece by piece. But it, 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 it does not seem to be doing that because they'd be naked random times. I think part of it is also like, if we think about um, like what we've learned about the show and kind of looking at the, uh, like the credits, I watch credits a lot and I've noticed that mm-hmm. like Sam Levinson has written every episode of this season. I don't right. remember no if he wrote room. every episode of season one, but there's no writer's room. And so I think a lot of it is like, you're sitting away in your own corner. You're writing something that is impactful to you, is important to you. And I also recognize that Euphoria has some um, relation to like his own personal life. And I think possibly his own struggles with drug addiction, but I'm not exactly sure about that. But I think that it pulls a lot from his personal life. But when you're sitting around and writing in your own circle and you don't have anybody else to bounce work off of, you are your own judge, jury, and executioner. And that can be a bad thing. Like, I think sometimes you need to show somebody, hey, I wrote this page. How do you feel about it? Oh, bro, like, that's a little problematic. I wouldn't do it like that. Oh, thank you. And without a writer's room, there's not that kind of back and forth and accountability and sort of creative building going on. And so I think, you know, it's a situation where, Whenever you have men writing for women and there are no women to be found in the writing of the narrative, inherently there are going to be issues. Vice versa, if you're writing about, you know, men and there's no men around and it's a woman writing the script, there are inherently going to be issues. And so I think like Sam Levinson, if you're out there listening, 
I would like to volunteer to be a writer on the show just because I think that I have some comments, some questions, some ideas, and some concerns that I think will challenge you as a writer, but overall benefit the show to make sure that the conversations that are being had are about, oh, I don't like that Maddie did that, or I do like that Nate did this, rather than having a lot of buzzy conversation about the ethics of the show and the safety of actors. And I would just like to say, Samuel, I would also <laughs> like to help with your uh, writing for the show. I feel like I could benefit the show and the audience. And I just also think that it's important to note this is for any writers, any actors, anybody in the creative realm that while, yes, you could be a genius. And trust me, I know because I am one. No, no matter how great, no matter how much you love, no matter how perfect your project may seem, you know, it's always best to have a community with you and it's and have it peer reviewed, have others look at it because my point is you shouldn't do it alone. I'm not going to take away the fact that you can, but you shouldn't do it alone and you should have people by your side. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Let's, let's end I like this, it. Right? End this with some, with some optimism. End this with some advice. So this is the, the end of our very first episode of No Sleep Till Hollywood. It's your girl, Galen Smith. You can go ahead and follow me on all the social medias at G Smitty with two T's and four Y's. You could follow me at Caleb's Subtitles on Twitter and on Instagram. All right, everybody. And so with that, we are going to say good night, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening. Um, and we will see you on the next episode of No Sleep Till Hollywood. Thanks, guys.